0: no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply on this edition of the world
2: of martial arts podcast now that the dust has settled we're looking back at ufc 257 so without further ado here's kurt nathan and first up mick
3: the hot topic of the week is even if you weren't interested in mma conor mcgregor Dustin Poirier, second time they've met up. First time they met up, it was an absolute shellacking. Uh, yeah, Dustin didn't even get out of the gate. Second time round now, everyone thought Connor was going to come back in. I have to admit, I, did, I I was calling Dustin all the way, boys, but I didn't think it was going to be so soon. Nathan, should we talk about the fight first, and then we'll talk about what, what, what next for... Uh, the McGregor hyper machine.
2: Yeah, let's do it. So what did you think of Dustin's performance?
3: Unbelievable. Uh, greatest tactics. The greatest tactics I've seen since the second fight with Diaz where they I reckon they should have given the win to John Kavanagh and not Conor McGregor because it was tactics that won that fight. You know, Cono just went through the playbook. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was exactly what you needed to do Connor's pretty much been found out now, you know, when he was a big man in a small man division and he was able to make weight as a younger man, then great, because he was an absolute beast. But now, you know, unfortunately, that is a stacked division with some serious killers in it anyway. And uh, people have found out that, yeah, Connor was able to get away with intimidation for a long time, I think. I think he got into a lot of people's heads because he was Conor McGregor, you know what I mean? It's like going up against Michael Jordan, you know? But, yeah, Dustin played it perfectly. The only way that you're going to get it is you have to take the power away from Conor McGregor. And, you know, one thing we know about all martial arts is, man, you get your power from that ground. And I don't mean in ley lines or anything like that, if any of you hipsters are listening. I'm actually just by generating power from your legs. And what he did was he just put it straight on him. And, man, that calf kick that, you know, when they used to throw in a tie kick and you could check it, great. But like it's the uncheckable kick, you know, between that and the old dumb tech that we do in jiu Je- Kune Do, you know, the stop, the stopping sidekick as they're coming in, the sort of thing that, you know, John Jones was doing a lot of and Anderson Silva back in the day. But that calf kick that these guys are throwing in now, it's doing savage damage. And it's exactly what you need to do because Kano wouldn't be able to wrestle. He wouldn't be able to, he'd be okay to box, but once you took that, once you took that power generation away from him, he was done. So I thought it was the greatest tactics ever, especially when you consider how the first fight went.
2: Oh, I agree with so much of that. the The loss of the intimidation factor, verbally and physically, is a big thing. I mean, he you look at him against Dustin, and they kind of look a similar size. He is a natural lightweight, yeah. So the fact that he was fighting at that lower weight against people, some of the people now that are fighting at the weight class below that, some you know like Jose Aldo, yeah, um, you know, fighting down at weight. so it's essentially fighting guys in the past that he was two weight classes above. So he didn't have that chance to bully them physically. And he seemed in the interviews leading up, he was being a lot more mature and not, you know, using the intimidation facts as he was, you know, previously. Um, so he came in, it was a very, very strange fight. I mean, I don't know if you, if you noticed this at the start of the fight, the ref actually starts the fight with of standing in the middle of the cage. Yeah. He comes, he comes out, he backs him off and he comes back out and he's actually stood Right in the center when the fight is started, which you know, he should have moved him back and warned him and not allowed yeah. him to do that because uh, he clearly wanted to come out fast. But the Dustin's tactics in this, he did everything right. Connor seems to bring out the best sometimes. Like when he fought Khabib, that was Khabib's best performance oh, ever. at that time. Yeah. And this is Dustin's best performance. And Dustin used the wrestling, he used the low kicks, his boxing was better. Um, I think one of the surprising things was that Connor just didn't like fighting a southpaw. He was getting hit with those low kicks, hit with a check hook. Um, He didn't like the way the circling was going. Everything, he just, he really didn't seem prepared for somebody fighting in the same stance as him, which was just shocking really. Um, Yeah, he was using a lot of the same tactics he would against an orthodox fighter. But yeah, Dustin did did the job. uh, And uh, it's difficult now for Conor. I mean, everyone knows Conor's weaknesses. You know, they know the cardio, they know the wrestling problems. You know, they know, um, to be honest, it's, it's, I don't know, it's bad to say, but his survival instincts are pretty bad. When things are going wrong, like, I don't want to call him a quitter, but he does give up. Like, he's not like a Dustin who, you know, who will go back and forth for five rounds. Um, he, once that level of intimidation drops and it's not there anymore, he does seem to give up a little bit. Uh, especially when he's tired as well so I think the blueprint's there now I think people kind of know what to do uh, what Connor's gonna do after this I don't know I the whole question coming into this fight was what Connor was going to show up you know what's he done in the last six years in between we've seen what Dustin did you know we've seen all the wars he had but we didn't see what Connor did and unfortunately I don't think it's enough I mean what kind of matchups would you look next for these guys
3: uh <laughs> I'm telling you telling you something uh I, I, if I was Connor, I'd go back. Uh, every, the one thing that, I, before I should say anything, the one thing that I really enjoyed out of all of it was Dana White's face, when, you know, when Herb Dean ran in there on that early, it was an early stoppage as well. That's, you know, that's the thing. He was saved there. You know what I mean? Um, but Dana's face, because he was like, oh my God. And it was a great card up until that point. But that's the point where you look at it and you just go, people have fixed, they've worked out now, what's the situation? Uh, how I'm going to be able to beat my cash cow. I can't see anybody getting to that level that Connor's got that crossover level anytime soon in MMA.
2: But this is the thing: the hype they put behind certain people really frustrates me. We've talked before about about Charles Oliveira, and I'm sure we'll come back to that. But like the hype around Michael Chandler coming into that that fight, you know, people are talking about him getting a title fight now against yeah. Dustin after one fight. And I mean, first of all, Dustin should be the champion. Yeah. Right. Like people like we we talk about Charles Oliveira having an eight fight win streak. Look at the last eight fights of Dustin. So yeah, he's got a loss to Khabib, who's the champion, and he's got um, a no contest. But he's got a win now over in his last few fights. The last six fights, he beat Conor McGregor, who was lightweight and featherweight champion, Eddie Alvarez, who was lightweight champion, Pettis, who was lightweight champion, Holloway, who was featherweight champion, and uh, Gaethje, who was uh, interim champion. That's five champions yeah. that he's beaten and he's not got a title. <laughs>
3: that was the thing I was going to say when they're talking about going into the mix. It's like, right, okay, so you've got the trilogy with Diaz. You've got the trilogy with Dustin, right? Uh, me, I both look at those. I'm thinking we're going over old ground. Uh, but Max Holloway gave the best performance I've ever seen in any martial... like Right down to like the last time I saw anybody that good was Andy Hug in K1. You know, that one of those moments where it was like, you know, the, in the in the uh, era without going too much off on the tangent, where there was Peter Ertz and Ernesto Hoost and all these big names when it was the golden era of K1. And like Andy Hood came in and he was just amazing. Uh, and we're looking at Gaethje, we're talking about Holloway, you know, you talked about uh, Alvarez. And don't get me wrong, I'm a big fan of Michael Chandler. And I think Michael Chandler, the, the, the one thing that all the fanboys are coming out with is this that, you know, that uh, Dustin wasn't able to put away... He wasn't able to put away Hooker. Chandler was able to put away Hooker. And Nathan, I think me and you talked about this when we were on the phone having a conversation where I said to you, he's a wrestler. What he's going to do is that massive overhand right or a short left hook? Because that's the only thing wrestlers have. They have a Chuck Liddell and they have that short hook. And that's it.
2: Well, this is the, it, was, it was a super simple game plan. Very, very little happened. I mean, Chandler must have thrown, what, five, six punches standing and then i mean I, th- I think he has 17 punches landed and i think about 10 of those were on the ground uh, i had a quick look at the fight metrics earlier on it um he just forced that circle and once that circle happened he kept threatening him with the right hand making him circle away even harder he level changed a few times hooker started dropping his hands and circling and just ran straight into that left hook now you know chandler set all that up through his game plan and was able to cover that distance because he can cover distance incredibly quickly with his athleticism. But it wasn't such a simple thing that happened. Um, and that's one fight. That's one fight, a first-round finish that's quick. There's, like He needs to work his way up. Like I say, you look at what Dustin's done and you look at what Oliveira's done. Those two should be fighting. You know, I would like I would like to see Conor. I mean, there's no way Connor's going to want to fight Chandler after seeing that. No chance. Like not not a, not a chance i think he should fight Gaethje. i think that i think that would be good that would prove whether connor should be in there or not because Gaethje's, you know off a loss and you know and he's really 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 good but he's not he's not in the you know he's not in that title contention right now he needs another win to get back there and connor's off a loss those two fight you can tell who's who should be back in the mix
3: you're exactly right you see this is just as he's saying this, what's going through my mind is the whole situation where a couple of years ago, Bisping Mike Bisping was thought of as a gatekeeper, and I don't really like terms like that. But when you're like we're talking about now, you know, Gaethje being almost like a gatekeeper to see if he's able to do it. The one thing I do know is anybody who goes up against Carlos Oliveira is going to have a bad day at the office.
2: But him and Dustin, as simple him as that. Dustin are the two that deserve it. Great matchup. They are great matchup. Yeah, they are both on really good streaks. I mean, the thing, you know, obviously, I said we were going to come back to Charles because in the conversation leading up to this, I watched some of the the videos that the UFC was putting out to, you know, advertise the show at the weekend. Nobody mentioned Charles. It was like, you know, Dana doesn't want you to know that Charles exists, partly because he was ranked between Conor and Dustin. And obviously, yeah. you know, he would most likely take out connor in the first round yeah this is a guy with this is a guy with the most submissions in ufc history equal for the most wins he's got the most performance of the nights bonuses like the records this guy holds are unreal well this is a
3: crazy thing it was like, i was looking at the stats and it's like uh, like 16 16 finishes 14 submissions and you're like and you're not even mentioning, do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like literally a Mighty Mouse, like a Brazilian Mighty Mouse, where it's like, you've got this absolute rock star in a division, but because what? You can't sell Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu now. Is that what you're trying to say? I right.
2: can't. I feel like, we're being ha- in really bad here and we haven't brought Kurt in at all. Yeah, bring Kurt no, in, Kurt, bring Kurt, Kurt in. Did you watch the fight? What did you take from it?
4: I did. And actually that's not a bad segue for a question I had for you guys. You know, I, I've, from what I have seen of Connor over the years, I haven't watched everything, but from what I have seen, two of the things I've always loved about him is he's he's always been had a lot of grit, just tenacious, wants to get in there, really kind of mix it up. He has his own unique style. Uh, But his distance management in particular is the thing that I always love to watch. He just seems to like to play with that line, play with the range, you know, kind of pop in, pop out. And that's what, One of the things he's gaming with, and that's why he's able to get shots off. Again, from my perspective as an individual, that's the thing I like to watch with him. Watching him in this last fight, I was surprised that those were the two things that I didn't see from him. He looked like a fighter going out there and just doing what he does, as opposed to, I've got a game plan, I'm going to beat this guy where I'm at. you know, I'm fighting this fighter, this is my take on it, this is where I'm coming from. He looked more like, I'm doing what I do, which is how any of us might approach it and it, it seems surprising to me at a guy at that level that's how it looked like he was just you kind of referenced it before like he seemed put off or or off his game by fighting another southpaw you know like had you not considered that obviously you had but it, it seemed to be lacking in some of those areas yeah there was
2: definitely um, and there did seem to be a narrowing of his focus like you know we know generally he's not going to be taking people down and going for the submissions and these kind of things and mixing that up right So he's going to strike at every range. He's going to be throwing those kicks. He's going to be throwing the hand. He's going to be getting in there.
4: Yes. Creative angles. He's coming in all these different places. It looked like
2: he was just going to box. That's it. That's all he was going to do.
4: And that's what I mean. It, it was sort of more more straightforward and less not creative, but more creative in the way of like, it, like if you're a musician, there's one thing between you know jamming out or playing the next song and going, I'm just going to kind of play my hits at this show today. It's entertaining, okay. But it's what we know you do. Is there anything new that you've got, Connor? So often, you know, the shoulder bump thing that he kept doing, which is great to watch. I love shoulder bumps. I, that I thought the clinch fighting in that fight was actually really and en- entertaining to watch. But they're just, you know, there's something he had that was new before. And it seemed like like watching a, a sequel to a movie, you're like, well, then let's double and triple down on the thing that worked before. Like, well, no, you got to do the thing that works for this guy. Right. The thing that I've noticed from uh, Charles is he just seems to go right into the belly of the beast, right? He's just kind of blazing right into the middle of the fight, right down the center, again with limited exposure that I have from the reviewing and from different highlights and things that I've done. He seems like he just Bust right through that center, gets in there. He's willing to jump knee his way through anything, clash, you know, like like two, um, you know, deer or something. They're, they're locking horns and he just gets in there and it's, it's there's a lot of grit, a lot of resolve and determination. My question for you guys is we've seen over the last 20, 25 years of the evolution of the UFC, where in the beginning it was like, hey, if you don't have some grappling, you're not going to make it. Hey, if you don't have some tie boxing, you're not going to make it. And so the the broad strokes were the topic so you got to make sure you check these boxes you got some striking you got some kicking kick defense you've got some takedown and takedown defense you got some ground game. Now as things have gone gone on those there's some people are better at some parts than others but everybody knows that we have, we've all gotten the memo you got to check those boxes. What do you guys think today in the, in 2021 What are the now smaller details that you have to have, like distance management, like a good rhythm? You got to be able to to move off the line and move back in. You got to have creative striking. Do you think there's instead of before where it's like, hey, you have to know how to grapple. Everybody knows that now. What are the new things fighters need to do to be able to stay in the game and compete at that level?
2: Well, I think the two areas that showed in both of the main events that I've always thought was important was perhaps underused was the controlling of the cage, and game plans. Like, you know, both of those fights were won by people who came out, controlled, controlled where the fight was happening, played the game right, knew what they wanted to do, knew what the weaknesses of their opponents were, knew what their strengths were, took them into the waters they wanted to, and then beat them there. And that's why those two guys lost. So just off those fights, I would say, they're two of the biggest things that are probably being neglected.
4: so much at the beginning of the UFC or its in its original incarnation being style versus style and when i was talking about what are the things that are important now to the things that you guys just touched on is really individual versus individual you know your game and your skill set versus the other individual skill set which is i mean in my experience a very jiu Do perspective on it. it's about individualizing your art as opposed to muay thai versus bjj or you know, the boxer versus the ninjutsu guy or whatever kind of thing, Mortal Kombat setup they had in the beginning, it organically evolved into because it had to. This person versus that person, that's how we're going to win. Nathan, do you have any perspective on how that trajectory like do you you, have you observed that and do you think that it was an organic thing do you think that was the promotion trying to make it more about the individuals or do you think it's inevitable that on a long enough timeline martial artistry has to evolve into an individual expression versus just this cultural structure that you're plugging yourself into
2: geez what a deep question um obviously the evolution of that sport i don't know how you could maybe see parallels between that and other stuff um once business gets in and once organizations get in, it does change things like, cause one thing I always think about is I see the evolution of MMA and then I think, well, what, what kind of similar stuff has there been not that long ago? And it's the, the full contact karate into full contact karate into kickboxing, but then kickboxing became something with a hundred world titles and split up and it never really took off in the way that, you know, you would think it would. I mean, you see, of course, you see competitions like K one, um, which you know both the karate kind of the full contact karate influence and also you know tie and lots of things as well um, don't forget
4: John Cusack can say anything called kickboxing the sport of the future so
2: <laughs> he it, does it had
4: he, legs it had
2: legs and they got kicked out
4: whoa well, yeah
2: he took it up and then he tried with Benny the Jet didn't he for, for a long while um, but I, yeah I thought it would have been it, it should have but I think, you know, organizations come in and they all try and set up competitive uh, titles and have their own little fiefdoms and it all kind of gets split up. Um, one of the things about MMA is that it's a pretty much right now, it's a monoculture with the UFC and that's it. You know, if you look at the top fighters, they're all there. So the evolution is happening within one framework. So, you, so it's much clearer and it's got much more direction. Um, I think if there were... 10, 20, 100 equal-sized organizations, things wouldn't quite have moved on in the way that they have because the best guys wouldn't be fighting each other. They'll be split up. They'll be fighting for their own little titles and stuff.
4: Yeah, so there maybe would have been more side projects or, or fights that happened over here, over there that would have changed that group versus this group. That's interesting. Mick, what about you? Do you have a, a take on that?
3: Well, the thing is, first of all, when it comes to person versus person, back in the day, it was simple. You know, if you were a boxer, Art jimison jumped into the cage with a glove on one hand, and he tapped out from shoulder pressure, as I recall. If you're doing everything and you're just working from the waist up, why would you defend a double leg or a single leg takedown? So they, the, the holes are glaringly huge.
2: Well, that's the thing. The, I don't think the, that was one of the first leaps. The The holes weren't glaring because you wouldn't understand what the other person was trying to do. You wouldn't understand their art. That, that, that first jump comes where you go, oh, no, I know what their game plan is. So I'm gonna adjust and learn some stuff like a sprawl yeah. or something for me. But I mean, you watch those first fights and people have no idea what the other person is doing to them. Like they just they, you know, like the, the jiu-jitsu guys don't understand the boxing at all. You know, they don't understand like why the person's faking, fainting, and throwing a jab and moving this way and got their stance. They have no idea they're just trying to impose their their style on top of theirs. And then gradually, as people start countering each other, even by accident, you start going, Oh, now actually, I need to understand what they're doing. That first leap is basically came to what we're doing now.
4: Yeah. Well, and that means it's not just mixed martial arts as a practice or as a sport that's evolved martial art, because as much as we've seen it in the last 25 years evolve, I mean, it's been abrupt and apparent. Um, but it's actually access to fight footage. It's the fact that these are being filmed and everyone else is watching everyone else's game and going, oh God, I got to do that. I got to prepare for that. I got to look out for that. It's the access to the digital representation. You hear Bruce Lee, stories of him watching footage of Muhammad Ali in reverse in his basement and having every single motion memorized. One of the reasons that he was so ahead of his time, but now that's just a standard. We got YouTube. Anybody can review footage where before it was kind of a special thing if you could get it.
3: Well, exactly right. It was like as Nathan said, it, it was a case of ignorance was bliss because they didn't realise that there were glaring holes. But they didn't want, they didn't want, want
2: to know. The boxers didn't. No, no, no. To, the, but the boxers weren't coming in, going, "I'm really interested in jujitsu." The jiu-jitsu guys weren't coming in, going, "I'm really interested in Muay Thai." It was, "I like, no, no. no, I want to show my art is better," and so I don't want to learn your stuff because I want to show my stuff is better than yours.
3: Yeah, but Nathan. James Tony versus um, uh, Randy. You know that, that that was only really recent, if you think about it. James Tony still thought he had a chance when he went into the when he jumped in there first. You know that it's now as the games evolved, the holes that can be uh, taken advantage of are getting smaller and smaller, and nobody's got a big game anymore. The one thing, the one thing, though, uh, we did mention was because it's all in that one. Yeah, the UFC basically run MMA. I don't care what anyone else says, right? And Dana White actually knows this. because I do remember when, do you remember when the Affliction League, do you remember when Affliction were going to, ha- it was Affliction fighting and they were going to have their own organization. And uh, when somebody asked Dana what he thought about it, he said, do you really think that the NBA are worried if Reebok start a basketball league? And I was like, you know, the guy's got a, you know that's a real point. So guys who make t-shirts are now going to go into this business. I don't think so.
2: One of the things that stuck with me a long time ago when uh, the UFC started taking over all the other organizations is there was a, a like a video thing following around Dana, and it took him into his office, and he had a gravestone up on his desk. And it had like the names of like Pride FC, no. Elite FC, all these different, all these different organisations that he'd bought and then gotten rid of and folded into his.
3: Yeah, Vince McMahon, man, that's like Vince McMahon when he bought WCW. and you're like, you know, why didn't you just run it as another business and have like the money from both sets of fans? I couldn't work it out. But yeah, I'll tell you something. There uh, at the moment, the UFC. I can't understand why Dana would be upset. That like, oh, yeah, his his face was like ashen. When he saw that Connor had lost. And I'm thinking, last week you had Max Holloway versus Cato, which one of the best fights I ever saw. Like, yeah, you know, the Chandler Hooker fight was a great fight. You know, the Connor McGregor fight was a great fight. You know, it's, I really think instead of trying to build it around personalities uh, and looking for the odd casual, because it's almost like they're trying to mop up any fans that aren't really watching it where they where they've got that many people now watching it i think it's you know they should just be like the nfl where it's like no we'll just put the game
2: on now well there's a bit of a there's a bit of a curse of dana's spotlight i remember there was a period where he was doing one of the ufc video games and it had on the front cover and it was like you know Connor and he and he and he lost and it had like Ronda Rousey and she got knocked out and he's like anyone that he's like oh they've got a meteoric rise and i like the way they look like, that's probably not the two things to, i mean that's marketable but that's probably not the two things to pick for longevity of somebody staying there is that they've gone really quickly maybe jumped some of the guys in the top 10 and uh, and you like the way they look
3: yeah you put the put them put them on the front put them on the front of UFC there's a pretty good chance Although i have to admit they, they never put Khabib on it uh, that, you know, because, you know, Khabib's got great crossover. I, I personally think, you know, come on, the guy's from Dagestan and he wrestles bears and he's got, yeah, he's got a unibrow as well, but I'm going to let you say that on Kurt Cornwell in case I ever run into that dude, you know what I mean? Uh But yeah, I'll tell you something, you know, with Connor, I don't know. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking the trilogy with Dustin could be a good one. Trilogy with Diaz, the same thing, but they're just gong shows. There's enough celebrity type fights anyway. Uh me personally I would like yeah, I, I would love to see Conor versus Gaethje. <laughs> I'll tell you something he gets past he gets past Gaethje man. Then 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 we'll talk business. But I think right now the big fight should be Charles Oliveira going straight up against Dustin Poirier. That would be a great fight. Especially especially if Khabib isn't going to come back.
2: You know if that title's up for grabs. Well this is this is the thing we don't know what's gonna happen with the title. Um if the title is up for grabs that should hundred percent be the fight for it if Dustin have a, has another fight and it's not for the title i like he he needs to he needs to put his foot down on that his management needs to step up because like I said he's beaten so many champions he is the you know the deserving king of that division and yeah, if Khabib's not in the picture, I mean, there's no reason for Khabib to come back and fight him again. You know, although it was a great performance, I don't think he showed enough for Khabib to be interested to come back. I think Khabib's probably going to vacate, you know, and then the, the the fight that makes sense is Charles versus Dustin. But it has to be for the title. And Chandler shouldn't get a look in because no. he needs more fight. He's only been in there for two minutes, <laughs> literally.
0: That's it for this episode, but we'll be back soon with another covering all things
2: martial arts from all over the world. If you've enjoyed the show, please share it with someone you think will enjoy it too. Thanks to the WOMA gang, namely Kurt, Mick, Nathan, Will, and myself, Ant.
4: If you need to get in touch, you can email us at support at woma.tv. Sports Social
0: Podcast Network. 18 plus.